Ladies and gentlemen, I need to know why the hell were people in the 1920s cutting up rugs? I need to know. What, why were they dancing so vigorously that they were cutting up people's rugs? People paid for those rugs. Imagine if you're dancing, you're paying for rugs. Damn. In the words podcast, Chuck D. Bring the noise. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Seriously, man. I, I, I was so I was listening to his. So I, was, I was with my pops the other day. Um, we were just chilling, getting some Nando's, um, and we're in the car and we're listening to Kistry because it's Kistry. Like, what, what other radio station do you need apart uh, the <laughs> in the world? Kistry is the shit throwback bangers all the time 24-7 um, shout out to Kistry and um, yeah I forgot what song it was in particular it's a it's a, it's a reasonably popular one um, but yeah they, they, they said cut up a rug and I, was just, I just asked my dad I was like where did cut up a rug come from you know what I mean I was like, that's such a weird term for dancing cutting up a rug like and he said he, he thought he thought it was like a, a, a millennial thing I was like no <laughs> that's you guys surely <laughs> I've a I've a cup of rug in earlier earlier works like come on it's not it's not me it's you guys with cup of rug as it turns out it's none of us it was uh, people in the nineteen twenties apparently uh, back in the day cutting up a rug vigorous dancing and I was just like why 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 are they cutting up rugs you know what I mean it's, it's just weird it's just weird it's just a weird term you know what I mean it's just, it's such a weird it's such a weird one like, I can't really I know, I know what it means, I get it, but I just don't know why rugs, like, why you, how, how can, what are you wearing as well, like, you're wearing, like, the f- sharpest heels of all time, like, you're wearing, um, them blades that, uh, uh, that woman had in Kingsman, like, what are you rocking on your feet, Jesus. anyway, apart from that, that's literally been on my mind for the past, like, four, five, four, four days, <laughs> And I was just like, as long as I remember if it was good, it'll be worth it. Um, so, job done. I can I can end this episode happy. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a solid week. Uh, it's been a solid week. I found a um, excuse me. I found a uh, a perfect, a, a potentially perfect um place to get a uh, to get a new laptop, and uh, I might look into it. So uh, stay tuned. Like, it doesn't really matter for you guys. It's uh, it's completely for me and my productivity. Uh, my laptop is slow as shit, and it's depressing me. Um, and I need something new, uh, but yeah, I might be getting a new laptop at some point in the f- near future, and I'll see. I'll see how the finances go on that front. But uh, yeah, man, I'm 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 cool. It's, it's not it's not too bad over here. It's not too bad. Um, the weather's getting a bit. Mm, it's, 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 it's 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 simmering down a bit, you know. Um, obviously, there's a storm coming, uh, mainly for the Midlands, but um, it's going to rain everywhere. I think on like Thursday or Friday. Um, so yeah, we've having winds and gusts all, all week, and uh, you know it's just the beginning. And uh, obviously, we're get, uh, America's getting two hurricanes, so that, that's fun. Um, <laughs> and I did make my promise, guys. I did make my promise from last week. I am doing a climate crisis story this week. Um, I did. I did try and find something. I found a really good one from a couple of weeks ago. Um, so we'll get into that uh, when we get to that. And uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a solid week for me personally. I can't really complain. Uh, but yeah, hope you've all had a great week. Um, hope everything's been okay. Um, and uh, yeah, man, it's all love, it's all love in the building. And uh, if you guys have an idea of what to, of what I should do for my hundredth episode, I actually thought of one last night, and I don't really know about my chances of it happening. But I'm gonna see if I can do it. Uh, but if you guys got any ideas for my hundredth episode, um, give me give me some give me some pointers. Uh, if you if you if you want to chip in, let me know. Give me some ideas. I'm, I'm open. The inbox is open. And speaking of all that, let's do all that. <laughs> for my before we begin, email to the IG, Facebook as well, Discord link, everything, everything, everything. All that, all that, all that is in the full show notes. <sighs> and I'll take a breath. <laughs> let the beat drop and let's get into the show. I 
In a week where Joe Biden accepts his Democratic nomination for president, Crossrail is delayed yet again until 2022, adding £1.1 billion to the bill. Mmm, mmm, there's nothing, there's no... I, I, I mean, I like tra- I like public transport, right? I'm a, I'm a big proponent and big fan of public transport. I was, I was talking about airports the other day with a friend, well, last night with a friend, um, and I, I don't know, I just like public transport, like train travel, um, planes, planes, trains, and automobiles. It's, it's, it's all good. Like it's all good in the hood for me. I love all that stuff. Like, and I saw a video re- recently. Someone gave me a video of like someone. Uh, so, some dude in America was just like taking this other dude's tire, and I'm like, I'm like, car, owning a car, I swear, adds more stress than convenience to your life. I I truly believe that. I, I and if it, and if if it's not um if it's not a solid percentage, it's at least fifty fifty. I I hardly because whenever my mum drives a car and I'm in the car with her, like she's always stressing about something, like someone cutting her off or like someone taking up hogging up the road because they have just a you know, a generally bigger car, you know what I mean, it's just, is what it is on that front, and it's just like, the, the victim complex for car owners is so mad, like, you lot, jeez, man, you lot, on one, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just a big proponent of public transport, and, you know, I like the idea of Crossrail, but the fact that it, it should have dropped, like, this year, I swear it should open this year, and now it's not gonna open until 2022, it's just a bit of a joke to be honest, um, let's see what HS2's doing, Jesus Christ, uh, California, Suffer yet uh, suffers another set of wildfires, um, and I could have given a lot of uh, environmental uh, shit this week. Honestly, I don't know if you guys have realised, but I'm trying to keep it to five um, or under five in a week. Where because uh, I used to go a bit long with it, and I used to have ten at one one episode. So that was a bit mad, um, but yeah, I'm trying to keep it to five. And uh, I could have given so many environmental ones. Honestly, like the storm coming to the UK. Like I said, you know, hurricanes and and America, and obviously the wildfires, of course, uh, you know, so take your pick, um, uh, Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich uh, beat PSG 1-0 to win the Champions League, and Lionel Messi is, uh, might be leaving Barca, um, shout to Ryan, a uh, friend of a uh, uh, fellow uh, 5EPN uh, host, Inside a Source, go check out the boys, uh, he's writing an article on uh, negative <laughs> negatives uh, that can be that can be had with uh, getting messy, uh, which uh, you know he t- he told me the arguments last night, and it, it was like uh, it makes it makes sense, it makes sense. But I did say if he comes on your team, you ain't gonna play them. <laughs> let's be real, let's be real, ladies and gentlemen, let's be real. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's, uh, that's that's interesting news. Uh, but we shall jump into our first in two life topics. I've been doing that. I've been doing that a couple times this week. Uh, this is. And the past few, past few episodes, and I just feel like there's some, there's some life topics that need to be talked about. You know what I mean? And uh, no film or TV this episode, and I feel that's necessary. Um, so let's jump into this. So, if you don't know, um, in America there has been a water crisis in one particular town, uh, Flint, Michigan, and it's been going on for years. Um, I think like two, three years now. Um, it's just fascinating to me. Like I've been I've been keeping up with this story on and off for the past couple of years. Um, and it, it just dumbfounds me that there's a water crisis in one of the most developed countries in the world. Like, it, it, it baffles me. It actually baffles me. Like, how do you manage to allow a whole town in your country to have, a, to have dirty, lead-tainted drinking water? Like, how do you do that? And, you know, I, I say that, but um, there's a... Uh, I think there's a chemical in the U.S. water that's basically like contaminated their whole water supply. So you know they're pretty much fucked either way. But in the words of Sean Connery, uh, uh, um, in the Rock, they're fucked either way. So uh, yeah. But uh, this one's obviously much more, you know, overt. Uh, <laughs> considering the government have just like just not given a shit. Uh, but the uh, news here by uh, John Flesher of AP News, uh, the Associated Press. Uh, Michigan has reached a $600 million deal in the Flint water crisis. So let's just jump around with the news. Uh, Michigan will pay, the state of Michigan, I assume, uh, will pay 600 mil to compensate Flint residents whose health was damaged by lead-tainted drinking water after the city heeded state regulators' advice not to treat it properly. An attorney involved in the negotiations told the Associated Press on Wednesday. Details will be released later this week, according to the attorney, who requested anonymity because he was not authorised to speak about it ahead 
uh, of an official announcement. The settlement was first reported by the Detroit News, MLive.com, and WXYZ TV. That's, that creeps me out, like, the fact that the uh, America has like, all those stations that just have, it's just letters. WXYZ, what the fuck is that? What kind of, give it a name, man. Uh, and most of them have the fan, like, when they have like, sports radios, like, the fan, 1017, the fan. It's like, what? Give it a name, it's so depressing. Anyway, I digress. Uh, it is intended to resolve all legal actions against the state for its role in a disaster that made the impoverished majority black city a nationwide symbol of governmental mismanagement, the attorney said. The government, uh, the offices of Governor Gretchen Whitmer and Attorney General Dana Nessel has, uh, have been negotiating for more than 18 months with lawyers for thousands of Flint residents who have filed suits against the state. Ryan Jarvie, a spokesperson for Nestle, declined to confirm the port reports of a deal Wednesday night. Uh, quote, we and other parties are bound by federal court order to maintain the confidentiality. Da, 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 da. We have not reached red point where we could discuss a potential settlement, but AP News is reporting it, so what? what? <laughs> I mean, I mean, they obviously legally can't say it, so why are you bothering asking them to say something about it? Anyway, uh, Flint switches water source from the city of Detroit to the Flint River uh, to save money in 2014, while under control of a state-appointed emergency manager, uh, state environmental regulators advised Flint, located about 70 miles north of Detroit, not to apply corrosion controls to the water, which was contaminated by lead from aging pipes. <sighs> I mean, it just says it all, doesn't it? So, like, d- don't apply corrosion controls. Are you on crack? Like, what? Mad. Uh, residents of the city, uh, with a population of nearly 100,000 people, use bottled water, uh, use bottled water, uh, quickly began complaining that the water was discoloured and had a bad taste and smell. Uh, they blamed it for rashes, hair loss, and other health concerns. Fuck. But local and state officials insisted it was safe. Uh, down a bottle. Go on TV and down a bottle. See what happens. Researchers with Virginia Tech University reported in summer 2015. So five years. It's been It's been going for five years. Since 2014, six years. That's crazy to me. Uh, that samples of Flint water had abnormally higher lead levels. Uh, shortly afterward, a group of doctors announced that local children had high levels of lead in their blood. Fuck. And uh, urged Flint to stop using water from the river. Uh, river. No shit. Then government uh, governor Rick Snyder eventually acknowledged the problem. <laughs> no shit. Acknowledged the problem. Okay, great. Accepted the resignation of his environmental chief and pledged to aid the sea, which resumed using Detroit water. Residents used bottled water for drinking and household needs for more than a year. Researchers said in late 2016 that lead was no longer detectable in many homes. Lawsuits against the state are being overseen by U.S. District Judge Judith Levy, uh, who ha- who would have uh, who would have to approve the settlement. Under the deal, the state would establish $600 million fund, and Flint residents could file claims for compensation. The amount of awarded per applicant could, would be based on how badly they were harmed. The attorney told AP. It calls for devoting 80% of the money to people who were under the age of 18 during the period when Flint was using river water, the attorney said. If approved, the settlement would push state spending on the Flint water crisis to over $1 billion. Michigan has alre- already has pumped more than $400 million into replacing water pipes, pur- purchasing filters and bottled water, children's health care and other assistance. Other suits are pending against Flint, the US Environmental Protection Agency, and private consultants that advise the city on water issues. That's that's crazy. Like all all of that is just um, like where 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 do you like how do you how do you condense that right? And you know, let's be real. Let's let's zoom out for a second, right? There's a lot of countries, right, that have this problem. There's a lot of countries that, you know, don't have, you know, uh, you know, drinking water, stuff like this, you know, <laughs> there's plenty of countries that are suffering, but it's just fascinating to me, you know, like I said at the start, the first world country, one of the most well-known countries in the world, has a whole uh, town city that didn't have uh, that had didn't have clean drinking water or quote unquote clean drinking water. 
the one drinking water that didn't smell or taste bad. You know what I mean? It's just imagine that you just you you just you you take it for granted, right? I, I mean, we have to, right? We always take it for granted. Um, the when we open a tap, water comes out. Clear water comes out, right? You can wash your face. You can do what you want with it, right? You, you can do anything with that water. And <laughs> it, it, and you know you what you see shit like this, and you're just like, damn. Uh, there has to be a serious, and that's another thing, there has to be a serious, serious level of mismanagement to allow this to continue, you know what I mean, several years, several years, as soon as the first reports of brown water comes out of your tap, kill that now, why would any logical government would not try and kill that immediately. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's... What? Why are you allowing this to happen? And, you know, this can, you, you can you can add your conspiracies, you know, if you want. Like, you, you can easily do that. But let's just not for, for the sake of argument. Um, wow. Uh, it, it, it just blew my mind. It just blew my mind that the fact that it's taken this long for, you know, um, the people of Flint to get their compensation, um, well, to have... have have a fun to file for conversation. Obviously, they ain't got it yet, but um, they will at some point. But boy, man, I just wanted to tell that. Uh, just, I just wanted to put that story out there. Just how f- fucking fascinating that is. Um, but yeah, <sighs> big up Flint, man. Big up the people of Flint. Like, if, if, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. You know, I don't feel one of those people that feel like you know money makes it money makes it better. Um, you know, your your whole long-term health could be affected by this shit, um, but, you know, whether you consider it, whether you consider it, whether the number of your compensation, um, is enough for you, is completely up to you, um, I, I, I'd like to ask you guys, what's your number, what's your number, so you, so the scenario is your, your constituency has had, um, doo-doo drinking water for two years, let's say, and, uh, and, and now you, you want compensation a few years after. How? What's your number? What? How much money would you want uh, in order to feel correctly compensated? Just a question I'd like to throw out there. And, uh, you know, whatever, uh, however much money the uh, people of Flint get um, each, um, let's just hope it's enough. They, they feel like it's enough for them because that's what they deserve for sure. So we hop on to music, and uh, we're talking about Jay Z again. Because why not? Um, no, I'm, I'm not doing it for no reason. But uh, I found this. Um, I found this excerpt from a book. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm interested in reading in the future. Um, it's uh, it's by a man that I respect as a writer and uh, just as a music uh, music opinionator. Um, shout out to the guys at the Music Snobs, uh, Robert Scoop Jackson. Uh, he has a book coming out called The Game Is Not A Game, and uh, yeah man, he's just a really, a really, his his style of writing just like, is, is very uh, uh, detailed, but also has his poeticism about it, I, I just love it, it's his it's just boss, and um, he talks about uh, Jay-Z in this uh, little excerpt of his book, and uh, I just wanted to give it a read, because um, I, I, I just, I want, I'm interested in the book, and uh uh, I feel like it's a, it's a it's a cool place, and also you know Jay Z recently dropped a new track with Pharrell Williams. Don't know if you guys have heard it called Entrepreneur. It's terrible. Um, I I it's, it's pound for pound the worst track of the year. Um, if you if you if you if you guys, you know if if you guys if I told you a, a Pharrell and Jay Z track was dropping, you'd expect that to be fire, and it wasn't. It was incredibly lackluster. The lyrics were just. Ech, just, just, ech, just distasteful in a lot of ways, and, uh, yeah, anyway, but that, that's kind of part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this, just to jump in, but this goes, uh, this harks back to the, uh, NFL deal, um, that I talked about a few months ago, obviously, um, in a lot of detail, and, uh, I just found this, uh, I just found this way of, uh, uh, uh scope, I guess, um, by Scoop, <laughs> uh, by Scoop Jackson, uh, to, uh, uh, his way of doing it is uh, inter- an interesting put, a way to put it. So uh, let's just jump right in. Let's, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling. 
Uh, funny thing happened when Jay-Z crossed the imaginary line of cultural consciousness and decided to cuddle up and get all cosy with the NFL. Uh, the black anti-NFL base that rides with Colin Kaepernick, the way President Donald Trump's base rides with Trump, lost their I'm with Cap, hashtag I'm with Cap mind, even those who were uh, anti-Cap cool feelings. Sellout, backstabber, conspirator, treasonous, selfish, self-serving, hypocrite were the terms used when the story broke involved across uh, spoken and written platforms, both social and broadcast media. Eric Reid, Kaepernick's former teammate, said the move was an injustice to the movement. Uh, He and Kaepernick started lawyer Mark Geragos, who represents Kaepernick, called the deal cold-blooded. Cold-blooded. I always have to do that. Obviously, cold-blooded. I have to do the... The Rick James uh, Chappelle. Cold-blooded. Saying Hove crossed the, uh, quote, intellectual picket line. Fuck. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a weighty statement. Um, weighty three words. Uh, the New York Post claimed it was the perfect cover for the NFL's social justice pandering. The undefeated wrote, no matter where Jay started, he's got, uh, he's now got more in common with NFL owners than NFL players. And I think that's the article I referenced uh, all those months ago. And, you know, I agree with that. I still agree with that. I, I He does, you know, he's, he's, he, he's big ass rich now. He, he's big ass rich. He ain't, he ain't close to the NFL players anymore. He's close to the NFL owners. It just makes sense. It's logical. Um, but anyway, let's continue with the piece. Uh, Charles Rapper said on the Breakfast Club radio show said that if asked by Jay Z to perform at a Super Bowl halftime show, that despite his love for Hove, quote, "Nah, I wouldn't. I don't think the Super Bowl is my action is is my actionable item." Unquote. Author and activist Sean King openly uh, said he was deeply disappointed, even though people from Cardi B, Diddy, and Killer Mike to Stephen A. Uh, Killer Mike to Stephen A. Smith, Dior Hughley. Um, uh, and Michael Eric Dyson understood and publicly supported the Jay-Z NFL partnership. The overall consensus was that Hove had turned brr, hashtag traitor. But what was missed the most, by most, was the inaccuracy of that belief. Hove never turned. Jay-Z never dissociated himself from who he was, he who he's always been. Uh, in the overtelling, undertelling, and mistelling of the same story, Somehow the conclusion was drawn that Jay-Z was now different from the person he had shown himself to be over the course of his life, uh, of this life, of his. Sean Carter made the NFL, made the NFL deal, Jay-Z didn't. Jay-Z founded Rock Nation, Sean Carter runs it. Yet we fell for a fictional tale built on expectation of a black superstar, a god MC, who throughout his career has told us constantly in his lyrics who he is and what he's really about. And even though the media play on this was to find fault with Jay-Z, the truth is the fault lies within us. Seeing what we wanted him to be instead of what he has always been, Jay-Z, over his career, has masterfully presented himself as an icon of cultural change. But it's what Sean Carter positioned himself, and uh, as that was at the centre of the partnership uh, with the NFL. And although the NFL should have been further exposed for race shaming, think of Steve Harvey's, uh, Kanye West, Ray Lewis's, and Jim Brown's photo op meetings with Trump, the public belief that Jay-Z was a singularly, uh, singularly, 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 uh, socially woke, aware artist who represented black and brown injustice was a narrative as misleading as the idea that Kaepernick's protest was about the flag. Hmm, interesting comparison. Uh, when it comes to social and racial, racial restitution, uh, Jay-Z is woke when it comes to money and power. S. Carter is wide awake. Just traced a path. Rockefeller Records was followed by Rockaware Clothing, which he sold for $204 million in 2007, yet he remains the CEO. Followed by the opening of his 4040 Club, a sports bar. Followed by the partnership with Live Nation Entertainment that launched Rock Nation. Uh, followed by a four-year deal with Sony Music. Followed by his purchase of Armand de Brignac, a champagne brand valued in 2019 at $310 million followed by the global partnership with Universal Music Group, followed by his acquisition of Aspiro Tech Media, uh, for which he paid 56 million, uh, which which he turned into Tidal, 600 million value in 2017, followed by Forbes announcing him reaching the billion dollar threshold in 2019. The hip-hop culture's first mogul to do so, Uh, but we were out here thinking he was going to be a community within our community that a mogul and his money would see things differently. In his own words, that's what you're. That's where you're wrong. On one hand, there's the underlying belief that the real story of the partnership lies in the intersection of expectations, insight, and objectivity. That is, uh, that this is not Spencer Strassmore on ballers. 
<laughs> oh god, I miss that show so much. Uh, trying to be the first black person to have ownership of an NFL team. This is a real brother who, uh, with real access to real money, working his way to infiltrate the most exclusive and arguably racist club in American sports. As I wrote in a related piece for ESPN on the subject, quote, for Jay-Z, his seat at the table with Roger Goodell is not about cultural appropriation and racial reparations as much it is, as much it is a first step towards uh, that exclusive power of ownership. As in, Jay-Z putting himself in position to be the first black team owner in the NFL. You can't put it past Hove. You all had to know that the, that's what this was all about. This is what moguls do, unquote. On the other, his Rock Nation is the same company that had a partnership with the Weinstein Company to tell our stories through film and has had a former TWC executive, Patrick Reardon, serving as the company's executive vice president of television. It's the same company that hired Demi Lovato's and Nick Jonas's manager, Patrick McIntyre, as the company's president of management, Heavy Hitters, Heavy Hitting, a major, bi- major business moves by a company on the come up to be a major player in the game. With all this in mind, with the diversifying of a business portfolio functioning at this pace and level, why should we be surprised by their saying yes when the NFL come calling? Two years prior to the deal, The Atlantic, Spencer Kornhaber, uh, gave us a cultural warning in his review of 444. Quote, Finding virtue in what appears to be selling out has, of course, long been part of Jay-Z's package. His list of corporate partnerships over the years is lengthy, and Sprint is the third separate phone company through which he's released an album. Many music listeners are, understandably, squicked out when Anais so enthusiastically, uh, enthusiastically links their work to corporate interests. Before 44, Jay-Z's best album in a long time tries to answer those concerns. It's the thoughtful refinement of a career-long argument that Jay-Z has made, that for him, Making huge bucks serves a greater good, unquote. Dr. King, in his letter from Birmingham Jail, uh, wrote something that all blacks, regardless of class, status, income, fame, or ambition, must accept as our reality. Wait has almost always meant never. How long in the mind of Jay-Z must we wait? I'm sorry, must he, must he wait? He, Sean Carter, one of the only... <laughs> one of only four black uh, living black million billionaires in America, because, lest we forget, it was also MLK, MLK who said in his 1967 speech, Casualties of the War in Vietnam, quote, There is an element of urgency in our redirecting American power. We are now faced with the fact that tomorrow is today. We are faced with the fierce urgency of now, unquote. And nothing says now to a black self-made billionaire than an opportunity to be part of a real billionaire boys club. Jay-Z invested in Pharrell's, uh, S. Carter invested in our Goodells. I like, I like how he did that. Uh, nothing speaks to the power moves that can be made uh, through sports to attain more than this. It's just too bad that the souls of black folks was the cost. As Dio Hewley said uh, about the NFL and Rock Nation aftermath, quote, to them, it's if I can't own a black man, I can rent, rent one, unquote. Our problem is that uh, we felt we, they were renting Jay-Z, forgetting that Sean Carter is one of is the one making the moves. Motherfucker, I will not lose on You Don't Know. That's a Sean Carter lyric. At the end of the day, this whole thing should have been a non-story. Fake news at its cultural best. Okay, interesting. If we all just took the time to make Jay-Z into someone he isn't and stop expecting the NFL to function as something it really isn't, uh, then we, we'd realised that all this uh, was a strategic move by two businesses trying to take advantage of one another at the other's expense, one billionaire trying to offset the other. Capitalists will do anything for clout, because the chorus of Jay-Z's focus decodes all we needed to know. It ain't ever been about where he's been, but where he's about to go. So that's um, that's an interesting um, way of thinking about things. Um... Calling it fake news is cultural best, I think, is mm, uh, mm, a, a little bit... I, I disagree with that a little bit. I like to push back on that particular way of uh, wording it. I wouldn't say it's fake news, you know what I mean? Because they would have, like... They, they, they announced the deal, right? And, you know, they put... That's the thing. They put so much emphasis on it. 
you know, in the news cycle, like, you know, telling everyone, hey guys, we got Jay-Z as part of this, hey guys, look at us, we got Jay-Z, look, here's Jay-Z uh, helping us with racial injustice, look, 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 Jay-Z, 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 right, so it's not like they, you know, were, they, they just put it in a press release and didn't say anything else, right, it's not that they, they advertised that shit with, you know, a lot, right, they were begging for people to um, have some sort of reaction to it, so calling it fake news, I think, is a bit, mm, a bit of a no for me, um, but the rest of it is kind of, uh, I think the, you know, the overall point is that Jay-Z has never lied, right, uh, that, that's, that's kind of the thing we have to realise here, Jay-Z never lied, right, about being the capitalist dude, he's just the one that took it to, to the limit, and I, I don't think he's reached the limit. Like capitalism, technically doesn't have a limit. You know what I mean? This it's get as much money as you can. That's basically the aim of the game. And you know, there's no such, there's no limit to that kind of thing. Um, so you know, he's the only one. You know, obviously we can name others like Diddy, for example. You know, we can name a, a lot of others. You know, a lot of other black capitalists. You know, trying to uh, do the exact same thing that Jay's doing. But Jay's just doing it in a in a in a very cutthroat way, um, but my thing is, and I think I made this point previously, is the f- is the is the package that they that they use for this shit. Like you can, if you wanted to say right that you're doing this long term so you can get an ownership role, fine, get it sorted. I understand. I will move on, and I will not even talk about it because. I don't really care about who owns an NFL team, to be completely honest with you, right? I, it's, what's my, what's my clock, what's my clock, 46 years until the NFL dies? I think that's why I gave it, I gave it 50 years a few years ago, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm near 45 now, so, you know, we got a while to go, um, I don't care, in the long run, right? But it's the fact that it was packaged in, in the, in the, uh, in the social social justice thing, right? That you that you're you guys are doing this to to help the black folk, you know what I mean? To to help you know uh, to help racial justice injustice be eradicated, right? You know what I mean? You're trying to eradicate ra- uh, you know social racial justice, right? That's what we're trying to do here, right? That's that's how they packaged it, but. The f- that's that's where the that's where the friction comes. The fact that you're packaging it in that sense, I don't care that the Z makes billions, right? I don't care. Um, it just makes his music that much more understandable because uh, he's the only one that has m- made it to that point so far, and uh, you know his music perfectly explains that, right? He he's he's unashamedly capitalist in that sense and that's fine that's fine it's the system it is what it is if you want to work in that system be my guest it's all good but the only thing my only qualm is don't be talking to me as if you're doing something else that's the that's the disingenuous thing that's the disingenuous part like you're doing all this for social justice bollocks if you want an nfl seat do what you do what you can but don't act like you're trying to help help uh, black people in America. Don't act like that. That's not that's not that's not how capitalism works. Like it, it just ain't how it works. So you know, don't don't be don't be acting disingenuous. You know what I mean? So even with someone like Jay, who's the most um, you know, I just said is the most like ruthless um, and unashamed uh, capitalist in hip hop. You know, and there's a lot of them, right? Uh, uh, I say black capitalist, right, because obviously there's, um, you know, labels, la- labels, um, and they're headed by <coughs> white suits, you know, white people in suits, <coughs> capitalism, um, you know what I mean, so obviously he's not the, you know, the tippy top, but in terms of black capitalism, right, he's there, he's unashamed, right, fine, and even, and I guess even the most unashamed person in Jay-Z, being a capitalist, a black capitalist, even he is trying to uh, mask it, don't mask it, bro. Don't mask it. It's fine. That's fine. It is what it is. I mean, no, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna gain respect for you doing it. You know what I mean? But do you, bro? Do you? 
go succeed. Just don't put it in a package of you're going to help black people. It's just, it's just not how it works. So we get into our second music topic. Uh, it's two music, two life. Hey ho. Um, and uh, I, I just wanted to. I've 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 done this before. I've I haven't done this particular bit before, but I've kind of also done it before. Um, I've referenced this right several times over the past few weeks, but he's just delivering heat right now. It's just uh, it's just crazy for me. But uh, I just found this piece, and uh, you know just. It's just great. It's just great. I had to talk about it. So, uh, you know, it's just it's just what it is when 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 a when a piece just drives. You, you know what I mean? It just gives you hype. And uh, this is one of those. It's great. So uh, this is by Andre G. Shout out. Uh, Stop letting numbers decide relevance in rap. Uh, this is by by Complex. Um, and you know, we talked about um, obviously uh, Takashi Six Nine and Nicki Minaj the other time, um, and how they got to number one, and obviously DJ Academics as well. Um, and those are both Andre's pieces, um, and this one just adds to the trio, I guess, in terms of just how music and hip hop is seen, and um, is this is also worrying. Um, this is probably the longest um, longest going issue uh, compared to the other two, but it's still an issue level less for me, and uh, I think it just needs to be it needs to be talked about. So uh, let's just jump right in. Last week. Uh, Drake released Laugh Now, Cry Later, the first single from his next album, Certified Loverboy. That is the corniest fucking name ever, by the way, just saying that. Just wanted to throw that out there. Corniest fucking album name of all time. Uh, the melodic track fe- uh, features Lil Durk, a development that many didn't see coming. Uh, much of the discussion about the song centred around the notion that Drake gave Durk a look, continuing a trend of the Toronto artist helping entrench Migos and other then-emerging artists in the past. But Dirk isn't a newcomer, he's been in the game for nearly a decade. He was an important figure in Chicago's early drill scene, and the syrupy brand of melodic, tra- melodic trap he explored in the early 2010s helped influence the sound of a whole generation of, a new, uh, of new artists. Numbers be damned, he's an influential figure in hip-hop. Drake wasn't doing him a favour, he was paying homage. The reaction to Laugh Now Cry Later is an example of rap fans being too conditioned to evaluate cultural relevance through a capitalistic lens. Woo! Oh yeah, you know getting some heat. Oh, just just off that perfection. Uh, continuing on, yes, in the music industry, some artists are regarded as more commercially palatable than others, so they're primed to get bigger budgets, uh, bigger budgets that often beget bigger sales and stream numbers. But that doesn't mean a higher selling artist is inherently superior or more relevant. Cultural relevance should stem from how compelling and influential an artist's work an artist's work is not how deep their marketing budget goes. The music industry is an inherently exploitative buzzsaw. It's common knowledge that many executives are out of touch and use numbers as the lowest common denominator. They're run by the same people who needed to be forced by George Floyd's murder to acknowledge that the music they profit from uh, reflects real social issues. It's the same industry where colorism among black women in rap is blatant. It's questionable how much label execs even appreciate black artists beyond their profitability. So why would their metric shape the paradigm of how we evaluate black artists? If we know capitalism works against black America, then why should a capitalistic entity be dictating cultural relevance of black art? Categorizing uh, artists by their commercial uh, stature uh, is inherent erasure, uh, which has affected the perception of artists like Freddie Gibbs, Fonte, and Sci-Hi the Prince of Late. Their plight underscores a fact that obvious, that's obvious to some, but overlooked by many. Impact and relevance in rap has to go deeper than numbers. It's time to evaluate how deeply we've let capitalism skew our perception of cultural value. In 2011, uh, Drake d- dedicated a BMI Songwriters Award to Kanye West, Outkast, and Fonte of Little Brother. Uh, he said all three men influences, influenced his songwriting prowess in different manners. While, those, uh, while two of those acts make sense to most fans, uh, many may take pause at Fonte's inclusion. Though Drake's early material resembles the work of Fonte's little brother in foreign exchange more than Kanye or Three Stacks, Fonte replied to Drake's no- nod by noting, quote, I'd much rather he had dedicated himself to finishing a verse for one of me and Ninth's songs, he also bemo- bemoaned. To my knowledge, a collaboration is not happening. 
We've made contact with each other, but all of my attempts to make something real uh, happen have led to a dead end, unquote. Drake twice collaborated with Fonte on comeback season, uh, comeback seasons Think Good Thoughts uh, and 2008's Don't You Have a Man. Uh, but once Drake uh, vaulted into a new level of fame, it apparently became harder for it to happen. Drake later replied to Fonte in a Village Voice interview, admitting, quote, that was my fault. I talked to Ninth Wonder about trying to make it happen. We'll get it eventually. He knows he's one of the biggest influences on my career, unquote. But unfortunately, nine years later, it's never happened. It's unclear why the collaboration is yet to materialise. Well, we know. But anyway, uh, but Drake has frequently collaborated with other influences like Jay-Z and Kanye, two artists who are always commercially viable. A Drake-Fonte collaboration would have been an opportunity for Drake to introduce Fonte to a new generation of fans. But instead, there are young people who feel like a listener of Little Brother's 2019 Made the Lord Watch, who question, quote, Listening to this Little Brother album and this Fonte nigger sounds like Drake. What the fuck going on? Unquote. What is going on? Fonte and Little Brother were once deemed too smart for BET, who didn't play their Loving It video. Apparently, their nature, appro- uh, their mature approach to rap hampered their commercial viability. They're not regarded as unsung because of a lack of talent, but because of an industry that doesn't know how, that didn't know how to market them, and hence refused to. To see the circumstances meander uh, into major publications, crowning Fonte a Fonte disciple as the inventor of singing and rapping, seems downright cruel. In this circumstance, we've let numbers make a falsehood true, highlighting the inadequacy of commercial metrics such as a barometer of cultural value. The same thing is happening with Freddie Gibbs, an artist who had released seven well-regarded projects in the 2010s, including two bona fide classics in 2014's Binyata and 2019's Bandana with Madlib. Just last year, Gibbs released two albums that heavily populated uh, album of the year list in Bandana and Fetty, uh, but he was regarded as absolutely irrelevant by DJ Academics earlier this year, after Gibbs himself called Jeezy irrelevant. Academics contended on Everyday Struggle that, quote, relevancy means is your music actually doing anything, and to be honest, other than a few people who fuck with Freddie Gibbs, what relevancy does he have, unquote. The ease in which academics could link doing anything with selling a certain amount of first week units exemplifies the genre's dependence on metrics to tell the tale. We have 50 Cent, in particular, to thank for the first week sales argument. He was the first artist to place heavy emphasis on first week sales, visiting Hot 97 in his commercial heyday to read out other artists' sales tallies. He also got involved in the famous first week sales competition with Kanye West, but by 2015, the Queen's rapper, who once ruled the radio, expressed a new understanding of success beyond the bounds of previous arbiters. He proclaimed, quote, You can't really go by radio. you got to put the music out and let radio catch up. Unquote. And if they don't, who cares? G-Unit released The Beauty of Independence in 2015, an EP that didn't boast Titanic sales or radio singles, but 50 noted it was a fun project that marked a chance for them to reach out to fans who love their gritty brand of rap. He told USA Today, quote, You can't stay in the cookie-cutter mentality, doing the same thing you used to do uh, when things are dramatically changing around you. you got a guy who, se- who says he's been in the music business for 20 years, uh, listen carefully to what they say. What they say after that, because he probably has no fucking idea what's going on. Unquote. No artist's relevance should be framed by their adherence to oblivious record execs, and Gibbs is a prime example. He's released a lot of his music independently, which will engender a much uh, a more limited commercial scope than major acts. In the independent rap world, however, it's not about metrics as much as fulfillment. The internet offers a chance for an artist to be self-reliant, building a relationship with fans who appreciate them for them, not a label's ability to advertise them. Gibbs' self-reliance allowed him to stick to his guns and become one of the most consistently high-caliber MCs of 2010s, a dignification that supersedes any numbers. Freddie Gibbs has uh, actually said that the unprecedented action, act, attention he garnered from Bandana released on RCA weirded him out. He told Complex, quote, I stepped back because I got to a different kind of notoriety when I made Bandana. The Russia people that were saying that they didn't like my music at first, but now, or now all on the bandwagon, uh, that just gave me time to really li- uh, be like, do I, e- do I really even want to rap anymore? Uh, rap to me is just so superficial, unquote. He had brushed against a cohort of fans who convert, who covet commercial relevance and didn't enjoy how fickle they were. 
His statements reveal sometimes relevance is just uh, that sometimes relevance is just a connection with fans clamoring to be in on a trending topic. They may allow an artist to strike while the iron is hot, but conditional engagement isn't a sturdy basis for a lasting artist-fan dynamic. It makes sense for artists to focus on, only on those who generally appreciate them, but even the basis for appreciation needs to be expanded. Last weekend, several Sci-Hide Prince Astro World reference tracks leaked. It's unclear specifically how much Sci-Hide uh, ideated uh, for Travis Scott, but the Atlanta artist have been ha- has long been a crucial figure in good music brainstorming sessions, uh, boasting over 30 writing credits on Kanye songs. Whether his contributions to Astro World were a little or a lot, the amount is believable. Despite his documented uh, proximity to beloved artists, though, it do- it feels like Sci-Hide doesn't get his just due as an artist. And you know, I've, and, and on a side note, I do feel that way as well. Um, I personally don't listen to Sci-Hide, and that's kind of weird because you know he writes for a lot of people I listen to. So why wouldn't I listen to him? You know what I mean? But that's just, that's just me anyway. It's just how weird I am. Uh, while discussing his contributions to Astroworld with Ye and uh, with Complex in 2018, Sci-Hide said across, gen- the across genres, quote, the biggest stars aren't in there by themselves. It's 30, 40 people. You've got trumpet players, lyricists, writers, unquote. The stars will go on to generate millions of sa- units in sales, but contributing artists are rarely mentioned, much less lauded in evaluation of the work. It's an inherently capitalist dynamic. Whether it's a Travis Scott studio session or an Amazon warehouse. Ooh, that's a bar. Almost every fortune subsists on the labour of people who go underappreciated in the process. We focus on the primary beneficiary, but ignore the workforce in the arts. Uh, but sorry, but ignore the workforce, full stop. In the arts, where so much of an artist's career arc hinges on perception, that has to change. Modern music fans aren't accustomed to checking the credits for writers and other contributors for many reasons. Once projects went digital, it was no longer a part of the process to dig through album booklets, which housed details of a project's conception. And aside from high-profile releases, that's still the case. But even when songwriting contri- contributions are reported on, they're rarely factored into an artist's impact in hi- on hip-hop. By sales-driven estimation, sci-high figures uh, deem him commercially irrelevant. But how could that be? Uh, but how, how could that ever be the case when he's contributed to some of the culture's most impactful music? Good point. Sci-Hi also told Complex he was going to release a seven-track album with Kanye, but it never happened. How could a good music, how can a good outsider, Nas, get one, but Sci-Hi didn't? Development could be uh, attributable to a range of factors, but it certainly looks like Sci-Hi's contributions are being taken for granted. He was financially compensated for his Astro World and Kanye contributions, but his cultural worth should be higher. His circumstances are akin to that of Freddie Gibbs and Fontes, as artists unappreciated by an industry that gouges. Uh, that gauges volume by the numbers. Uh, that reality has manifested in different manners for these men, but they're all attributable to the pitfalls of a capitalistic view of rap relevance. The value of black art needs to be reconsidered outside the scope of what corporations deem worth investing in. Too often, cultural appraisal is swayed by consumerism. So this is just this is just a like a, a slam dunk for me. Cause like I've been thinking about this exact like con- conversation for fucking years, and uh, those 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 three are just you know that, that, those are just three examples of many 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 people, and obviously the little Dirk one is a great example um, of uh, Drake bullshitting. Um, to me, it's the fact I hate I hate it. I I fucking despise it. When someone goes like, "Oh, Drake put him on," yeah, Drake, Drake put him on, Drake put him on, like, and even though the artist was already like, already in the game, it's just just because you didn't know who they were. That means Drake put him on. That, that what, what? Come on, seriously, like, y- 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 it's a joke. It's a joke, and um, yeah. It's, it's depressing as well, like, you know, we're obviously talking about capitalism as pertains to Jay-Z as well, um, and, you know, if you want to link it to Flint as well, you can you can definitely do that, because to cut costs, they fucked over Flint, right, and that's in the capitalistic society, I, can, I might as well name this whole episode just capitalism's bullshit, <laughs> I really could, um, but it's just, it's just a bit silly that um, people, and this is, this is another me shitting on rap fans, music fans in general, 
um, you lot need to stop accounting for sales like as if they're just the be all and end all. Like, don't talk to me. Do not talk to me if you think that numbers are everything. Honestly. Oh, oh, he's got the most number ones. Fucking and. Fucking and. Like the beat, the Beatles are on every record, right? The beat, the Beatles are, have all the records, right? Well, and Adele, and you know other people as well, right? But those artists, right? Biggest artists ever, right? Sure. But what about the artists that you know have that physically pushed a genre forward? Do you hear about any of them? No, unless you are deep in it. And the thing that, and that's the point, that's the point that pisses me off as it pertains specifically to hip-hop fans. Because they don't account for the people who try and push things forward, apart from maybe Young Thug. Like, they, they just, they, they just put, they just hail Young Thug as, as that person. When there's plenty of others as well that you can uh, throw out, but apparently your capacity is only for one. Like it, it, it pierces me off every single time. Like rock fans, rock fans can correctly identify certain bands that push the that push the genre forward. Like they they can all do that. I for some reason, hip hop fans just can't fucking do it. They just refuse to look into history. They refuse to look into uh, how Drake got his how Drake got his whole thing. They refuse to look into Fonte. Like it's just, it it just pisses me off. You lot of jokers. You lot of jokers, and that's why old people get at you for saying you're not real hip hop fans because you're fucking not. Sometimes you're really not. If you're counting for numbers in that fashion, sales, units, first week sales, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to DJ Academics. I want to slap DJ Academics, but I don't want to talk to DJ Academics. Because he's a fucking idiot. And everyone that fucks with him is also a fucking idiot. And if you consider numbers as something, uh, as, as as a relevant marker for anything, please go fuck yourself. Please go fuck yourself. Just, just, do, just do me that favor. Just stop talking to me. Don't even, don't even at me. Don't even bother. We are two different people, and I'm completely fine with that. I am. I have utter contempt for people like that. Not even anger. Utter contempt. If you refuse to look into history and to look into people that culturally push things forward, musically push things forward, and you just look at numbers, don't talk to me. Just straight up don't talk to me. Do not at me. You are irrelevant to me. There is no point of you even being a music fan if you're just going to do that. No point at all. So we hop into our second and last topic of... uh, The second life topic and last topic of the uh, episode... And uh, I promised you guys, I promised you guys I'd do something on the climate crisis and I uh, found a really good opinion piece um, on The Guardian here by v- uh, Victoria Herman. Uh, she is the uh, president and managing director of the Arctic Institute and uh, the name of it is As the Tundra Burns We Cannot Afford Climate si- uh, Silence, a letter from the Arctic. And uh, I, I just gave this a read, um, and I just found it perfect. It's it perfect in terms of uh, encapsulating what's going on, and uh, you know, just just like I said last week, you know, we should be talking about this shit on a weekly basis, but we just don't. And uh, you know, I feel like this is just um, I, like I said, I did promise that I'd do something, and uh, I'd, I'd you know, I'd uh, talk about it in some in some way, and here we are. So without further ado, let's just jump right into this uh, particular piece. Uh, shout out to Victoria Herbert. Uh, when you stand facing an exposed edge of permafrost, you can feel it from a distance. It emanates a cold that tugs on every one of your senses. Permanently bound by uh, by ice year after year, the frozen soil is packed with carcasses of woolly mammoths and ancient ferns. They're unable to decompose at such low temperatures, uh, so they stay preserved in perpetuity. Until warmer air thaws their remains and releases the cold that they've cra- kept cradled for centuries. I first experienced that distinct cold in the summer of 2016. 
I was travelling across Arctic Europe with a team of researchers to study climate change impacts. Uh, we, were f- we were a few hours from uh, past the Finnish border in Russia when we stopped uh, to first set foot on the tundra. The ground was soft but solid beneath our feet, covered with mosses and wildflowers that stretched into the distance and, and until abruptly interrupted by a slick, towering wall of thawing permafrost. As we stood facing the muddy patch of uncovered earth, the sensation of escaping cold felt terrifying. The northern hemisphere is covered by 9 meters squared miles of permafrost. This solid ground and all the organic material it contains is one of the largest greenhouse gas stores on the planet. On the planet. Frozen, it poses little threat to the 4 million people that call the Arctic home, or to the 7.8 billion of us that call Earth home. But defrosted by rising temperatures, thawing permafrost poses a planetary risk. When the organic material begins to decompose, permafrost thaw can destabilize major infrastructure, discharge mercury levels uh, dangerous to human health, and release billions of metric tons of carbon. We witnessed small-scale damage in Russia that summer through slump landscapes and uneven roads. At the time, the larger, more dramatic changes were predicted to unfold over the course of this century. Four years later, those changes are happening much sooner than scientists predicted. The carbon-laden cold of the Arctic's permafrost is leaking into the uh, uh, Earth's atmosphere, and we are not ready for the consequences. In June, the Russian Arctic reached 100... (laughs) fucking 100.4 Fahrenheit, the highest temperature in the Arctic since record-keeping began in 1885. The heat shocked scientists, but was not a unique or unusual event in a climate change world. The Arctic is warming at nearly three times the rate of of the global average and June's single-day high was part of a month-long heat wave. This relentless heat has melted sea ice and, more tradi- and made traditional substance, uh, sorry, subsistence uh, dangerous for skilled indigenous hunters. It's fueled costly wildfires, which some are so strong they, are now last from, they now last from one summer to the next, and it's sped up permafrost for thaw, uh, buckling roads and displacing entire communities. Watching the heat of 2020 devastate the Arctic, I think back to the fear uh, we experienced while watching that permafrost thaw in 2016, but I also remember feeling hopeful. Just weeks before the expedition began, 174 countries had signed the Paris Agreement on the first day it opened for signatures. Barack Obama and China's President Xi Jinping released a joint statement on the, of climate commitments for the world's two largest greenhouse gas emitters. It seemed like every world leader had finally dedicated themselves to climate action. Throughout our trip across the Arctic, my colleagues and I discussed the difficulties of limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees, but with the momentum of Paris, we agreed that it was still possible to contain a climate catastrophe. It is much harder to find hope today than it was four years ago, but it's not impossible. The Arctic skies are blackened with wildfire smoke, and we are not even halfway through the summer. The Trump administration had re- has reversed a hundred environmental rules and stands on the precipice of pulling the U.S. out of the Paris Agreement in November 2020. Things may seem hopeless, but we are not helpless. Every individual has a skill, a voice, a career to you wield as a tool to address climate change. Ultimately, climate action is not powered by a Paris Agreement; it is powered by people. From presidents to pro- protesters, we each have a part to play in limiting the devastation of the climate crisis. Climate change cannot be stopped. The Arctic's ice will melt, and large swaths of frozen ground will thaw. Climate change is already causing devastating loss of life, destroying irreplaceable cultural heritage and inundating the places we hold dear. With every degree we allow our world to warm, the more we lose. But by demanding climate action from our governments, and demanding climate action from ourselves, we can work today to avert the worst damage and adapt to the impacts we can no longer avoid. As the Arctic burns, we cannot afford climate silence from anyone. The cost of inaction is too high. I kind of want to leave the whole podcast on that, to be honest. I don't feel like I have anything more to add to that. Like, if I personally, like, I don't know gave a climate crisis uh, article every week, right? I do ask myself, like, why don't I do something like that? Because in the, in the, there was, uh, 
in, there was an article actually um, just on a minor tangent. I will get to the point, but uh, there was an article I saw, you know, in in trying to find a, a climate crisis so article. Um, there was another one I was thinking of picking. Uh, that basically the whoever wrote it was basically urging people to like zoom out, you know, and obviously that's the thing I like to do with a lot of things. Um, it, with a lot of topics that I, you know, uh, talk about, you know, race and other things, zoom out. Like if you zoom out, you begin to see the bigger picture, and you can then go back in and plan ahead. Right, that's the logical way of doing things. But um, I I struggle to. I think it's a struggle for people to correctly understand uh, cli- the climate crisis on a daily basis and correctly zoom out like, I think I think it's hard for the regular person to zoom out on this topic um, because they can't see they, they can be given you know they, they can look up data right on just you know what will happen in 50 years you know what what's potentially gonna happen right and you know we, we get those you know documentaries news pieces articles now and again on you know what will happen in a few years you know for for this will happen in 50 years for that but it's never it, it, it always falls on deaf ears and you know it, it annoys me you know in a lot of things when i zoom out and you know i can see i can potentially see what's going to happen for certain things if we change this if we change that and you know i personally I feel like I can't, I, you know, personally can't really zoom out that hard for, um, for climate crisis stuff, but I think the thing, and the article that I mentioned that I didn't read, um, did mention, was, you know, and this is very basic, but, you know, just think about future generations, you know, just whatever decision you make, you know, whether it be major or minor, think about future generations. Right, so if you, um, you know, when, when when if we go back like hundred years, right, and you know, go you see like you know in America, like you know people like Carnegie and all those you know uh, uh, tr- nearly trillionaires, you know, what I mean, just all the money in the world, right, and they're you know they're just pumping, they're just pumping greenhouse gas, all that stuff, right, you know, same with China now, and you know, same with everybody, right. When you try and try and look at um, try and look at everything, you know, in the prism of what's going to happen to the future children. You know what I mean? Because in some way, I do that with race, right? When I when I think when I ask when I tell you guys that education is the foot the the best place to begin in order to break down racism and race relations, right? In multicultural places, I think of that from a prism of what I want my future child to learn. You know, I want my future child to learn about their history and you know I personally would try and teach them that but I want them to also learn about British history and not just the good parts but also the bad all of that stuff right and you know I'm going off on a tangent but um, I'll get back to the point. So with that Maybe try and do that with climate crisis. Maybe. Maybe that's a good way to think about it. Just think of, you know, uh, you know, saying think of the children is very, you know, cliche. But literally, think of the children. Think of, think of the use. Like, think of the future use you'll have or your friends will have, whatever. Like, what world will we leave them? You know, the earlier we start thinking about that, the better. Because I don't think my parents' generation... Um, thought about me in that in that whole sense you know what I mean they didn't think about me they didn't think about our generation my generation so why don't we now before we turn 30 you know think about the generation behind the few generations behind us and by the time we turn 50 you know there'll be 20 years of of consistent thinking about the climate crisis and you know individually we'll be better off for it um 
if we individually do that, then, you know, maybe that will turn into a collective thing. And, you know, with 20 years of trying to think about it and trying to do better for the youths in 20, 30 years, you never know. Sky's literally limit for that kind of thing. And I shall leave it there. From the Fifth Home Podcast Network, I'm Charlie Terry and it's been what's good. Intro music has been Too Much by Vanilla. Interlude music has been visited by Poldor. You can find both of their tunes, both of their discographies, uh, via the links down the full show notes. Thanks to Off Records for the bit of easy songs. You can also find their entire Bandcamp discography in the link in the full show notes. Give that all a clicky click and support the people that help make this show what it is. And with that said, including you guys, actually. Because so, <laughs> you're obviously the most important part of this in some way. Hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.